You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, presented by me, Daniel Actaus. Each episode, I dig deep into the world of cars with news, reviews, and other random motor talk. From engine cars to EVs, I'm here to entertain you whilst you're nipping through traffic or even whilst you're stuck at home trying to change your exhaust. But warning, I may ramble on about Fiat Pandas. You've been warned. Anyway, engage launch control. It's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode four of the third series of the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, with me, Daniel Actorhouse. If you like classic vintage cars and you like restoring cars, wedding cars, stuff like that, then you have tuned into the right podcast because I'm very happy to be joined by special guest Simon Browse. Hello. Hello there, Daniel. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's very kind. It's a pleasure to have you on uh, this podcast. I've been looking forward to it because so many things to talk about. So many things. So for the listeners that maybe don't know who you are, could you introduce yourself and maybe talk about what you do? Absolutely. Uh, my name's Simon Browse. My uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are at uh, Um I run a vintage and classic wedding car hire company and film and TV hire company yep. uh, called Arrow Vintage Cars down here in Essex. Uh, and I'm for, first and foremost a, a classic and vintage car restorer. So I find cars for both myself and customers, uh, or customers bring me theirs, and I make them sort of look new and fresh again. Uh, not necessarily custom, but um, to their own taste is absolutely fine too. Yeah, well, you've got a magnificent collection, and they're all mint. You can't help but see that. They're all mint, completely faultless. You're very kind. I wish they were a bit like um, the movie car Christine, in that you know they, they came to me, and all I had to do was talk to them. <laughs> and they refresh themselves and make themselves new again. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. No, unfortunately uh, so, not. Yeah. Much arm work, many, many Popeye arms to, uh, to to get them that that nice. But that's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. No problem. And I, I, I hear it's it's many years of work. Arrow Vintage Cars has been going along for an awful long time. It really has, yeah. It's, it's a family business and started in uh, late 86, early 1987. Um, as uh, just a wedding car hire company. It was basically just a wedding car hire company up until around the year 2000 when um, I started to take a, a bigger uh, kind of interest in in classic car restoration and vintage car restoration. I've yeah. been in and around, you know, classic and vintage cars all, all my life, it, it, you know, ever since the, 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 uh, the late 80s, I was actually doing stuff on cars in the late 80s and that's right away till yeah, now. But, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, a, a long time, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it's I've got a few more years left in me yet. <laughs> of course, of course, I'm a bit similar as well. I've always liked classic cars, and one day, one day, when I'm a bit older and I can actually drive, because that would help, I would like to get a little project, just something to, something to do every now and then, because it's quite refreshing, isn't it? It really is. It's therapeutic as well. If you've got other stuff going on in your life, you know, being able to tinker um, on on something you've got, a little project just going on, completely and utterly blows the cobwebs away. Of course, of course. I'm doing bicycles at the moment. That's uh, about my limit. So my main pride and joy is my 1958 Triumph Roadster cycle. And it's hub gears and it's mint. It was 60 quid on Gumtree back in 2019. I saw it and it was gorgeous. 60 quid. And it's mint, white wall tyres and everything, and that's, yeah, I'd like to progress to cars one day, but yeah, it's lovely. I genuinely, I genuinely didn't know you had anything that vintage, that's incredible, 1958, what a fine for 60 quid, I never know, sell, I know. never, 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 never sell. sell. No, I'm making that clear, right. it's never going. And also, I think Triumph say, and Rally back in the day, they said that their sort of brief was to make them last 100 years, and so far it's made it to... Uh, 63 or something so i'd like to take it up to 100 years old and you know take triumph to the uh to the max see it test them out absolutely yeah well i mean penny farthing bicycles have not long ago passed 100 years haven't they there's still yeah. plenty of those around so i'm, know, I'm sure I you know. can make that last that long that's fantastic well done what a find what a find, I know Daniel. i know i couldn't believe it it's actually my dad that found it and it was going to be his but i just fell in love with it and sort of took it <laughs> But you yeah. stole it. I like what you. I like stole what you it. did. Of course, That's good. of course. Yeah, I don't think the owner actually realised it was anything special. I think he just sort of used it as a bike and then sort of got rid of it. Fact. Well, one man's trash is another man's gold. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. Right. Let's go back to Arrow Vintage Cars. Now, you might not remember this. You might remember it. How did it actually come about? Where did the idea come from? 
Yeah, um, it, it, well, the name actually came from um, the, 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 the company had a, a different name. So in 1987, it was a classic Cadillac wedding hire where the family had um, a smallish collection. I mean, my, my parents who started the company, they have been petrol heads all, all of their lives. They were yeah. they were actually, to be honest with you, as much as the constabulary won't like me saying this, they were actually street racers <laughs> in the 60s and 70s. They were genuinely, yep, dad had a, had a really, really hopped up Ford Anglia. So nice. um, if anyone doesn't know what that is, um, Harry Potter, that that car. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, mum had a very, very blown upon um, Triumph Herald 1250. And they were, yeah, doing lots of things down, down at, well, where we are in, in Essex, we're quite close to South End Seafront, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit famous now. But yeah. the, the main kind of stretch in front of the, you know, between the seawall and the, all of the big arcades and the pier used to be dead straight quarter mile. So yeah. that was, you know, two lanes. So they were down there uh, a lot. So they've always been in, in and around cars. And yeah, and, and basically they kind of got a bit of a penchant for American cars and, and then got their first Cadillac in 1985. Yeah, 1985. And Amazing. then, yeah, basically it was, it was friends and family that said, right, let, you know, could you do my wedding? And that's where the kind of idea sprung in the 80s. And, and, it's, and it's grown and grown and hit a bit of a, you know, a levy in the late 90s in 2000s and i sort of said why well, okay well i think you know i'm old enough now i can i can bring something to the table and, and we yeah. kind of grew it from there and then it's oh, you... but for me it's been full time full time since um we're about 2006 roughly wow well you've been very successful that's clear because you've got a lot of cars haven't you a lot of cars part of the business how many cars to be exact it's a it's a really good question and i lose count um <laughs> at the minute <laughs> <laughs> at the minute that sounds very blase but there's a reason for that um because some are on the road some are off the road so it, it, it's yeah. a, there are other ones that aren't on the website that i'm working on that will eventually be you know something to be to be used uh, but i think we're at 26 as we stand but maybe wow. 27 i don't know maybe 27 we shall we shall see so it, it's a lot and they range from you know 1980s volvos right the way back yeah to 1920s vintage cars you know it's definitely a wide That's span something isn't there? Definitely a wide span of types of cars from, as you say, Volvos to big Cadillacs to Heralds and stuff like that. It's it's really quite massive. Do you actually have any favourites? Um, I, I think our namesake is a personal favourite. One of our cars we've got is a 1930 uh, Pierce Arrow, which is a name that I can almost promise all of our listeners won't have heard of. It was, a, <laughs> it was, bas- it was basically the most expensive um, American luxury car you could buy. Uh, yep. n- not fast they they were big big limousines or saloons or they did a couple of coupes big engines uh, and basically you had to be either a politician or a criminal so the same thing <laughs> to afford it that that's that right <laughs> that's, okay. that's what they were um so you know i mean i'll, I'll give you an idea al capone if you ever heard of that the 1920s and 30s gangster wasn't even allowed to buy one uh, because yep. of his name and pierce arrow did not want to be associated with crime that's how high up they were so he had to get people to buy them for him uh, we've got one of those that belonged to president herbert hoover who was the president in america from uh, 1932 i think it's 1936 i think that's right Wow. And it belonged to him, and we, we managed to get that in 1995. And that was the car I had for my wedding. So Jen, my wife, and I, we got married in. Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got it yeah, a few years back. And, uh, yeah, we had that as our sort of our wedding car. So I think – and that's where the Arrow name comes from, the P.S. Arrow name. Of there is a very complicated reason why we named a company beginning with the letter A. or what, That's very boring. I won't go into that. But, yeah, but Arrow Vintage Cars named after our car. So that's, that's probably my favourite and second favourite, I'd say. We've got a Burgundy 1956 Cadillac. Um, which I bought in 2006, seven, and have been restoring over a long period of time. And that's just such a cool, low, long, rich burgundy. Uh, oh, it's phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Have, a look, have a look. I will have a look, yeah. Something about big American classic cars. They're so ludicrous over in this country. They're just so cool. So cool. They are, yeah. They, they don't fit. There's loads of roads. <laughs> They're just too wide. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but it was it was such an expression of post-war win. There was so much in America yeah. and over here. There was just so much, you know, army excess. There was so much steel and and girders and, and materials left over yeah. that 
you know, big manufacturers and car manufacturers were just given this stuff by the American government for free and several go and do you want with them, you know, what you want with it. And, you know, they cut the fronts off of army shells and army bombs and grafted yeah. them onto the front of Cadillacs. That's what the Dagmars are. They're those big nosy bumpers on Cadillacs. Right. They are army surplus. That's what they are. Amazing. So it was just such a look. We've won the war. We've got all this stuff. Look how big and gracious we can make stuff. But yeah, over here, tight squeeze. Yeah, definitely. I seem to remember a few years ago, down the road from me, there was a Chevrolet Impala in, in red, red interior, US flag along the back seat, obviously. And it was gorgeous. But I think he had it on his driveway, parked next to a Fiesta or something. And the size difference between the two is just hilarious. I don't it's know where he it. Uh, yeah, no, well, well, I mean, um, you can't fit it in, in traditional british lock-up garages um right. they're, they're only sort of four three and a half meters long and the most most american coupes in the 50s and 60s are around five meters or a bit longer so two two 1990s fiestas bumper to bumper are shorter than one american coupe yeah it's <laughs> a funny story i actually got i had a, a really big old 1970s um chrysler newport which is, it looks like an aircraft carrier long flat big big <laughs> On it, because, oh yeah, but it only sat four people, you know, four seat belts. Yeah, well, yeah. All this, all this car, but you couldn't <laughs> do anything with it. And I got a parking ticket in uh, in London, parking in a in a big uh, open car park just just south of London. And I got a parking ticket, and I thought, well, that's. I bought my tickets in the windscreen at the front. You know, that's you can yep. see it. And the warden came back and said, yeah, yeah, but it's the back. And when I went to the back, the car was easily over three quarters of the back bay behind it he said well i want to see is a ticket in the front windscreen and a ticket in the back window as well for two the rear tickets. one i went oh, two my. tickets yeah yeah i didn't do that and i went well uh, fair cop <laughs> <laughs> just pay the fine yeah, yeah here's 20 pounds goodbye yeah exactly yeah. yeah so obviously they're very very big cars old american cars but a lot of them they're obviously left-hand drive because they you know steering wheels on the left how do you actually find driving such a humongous car from the left side well, Britain. A, that's a great question. B, much easier than you'd imagine. Because you are curbside, and especially for motorways and dual carriageways, if you need to... Uh, American cars aren't slow. You know, they, get, no. they get the term heavy, tanky gas. I hate that term, tank. I hate that term. <laughs> but, you know, the heavy kind of big cars, they get a, you know, they get a bit of a bad name for, you know, for slowness and sloppiness, and it's not true. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. massive myth. It's not true. Um, because you're on the left-hand side and you're curbside, you're, it's easier to see obstacles yep. because you're closer to it. And for overtaking, you can get into the lane quicker because you're already on the right side. Uh, it's much easier than people find. They're nearly all automatic, so you don't have to worry about changing gear with your, you know, yeah. your, your right hand rather than the left. Um, it's very easy. I prefer it, if I'm honest. I, I absolutely prefer it. I've got a, yeah. my friend and I got a, a left-hand drive uh, 1970s Volvo, and I absolutely prefer driving that on that side than I do the right-hand drive Volvo equivalents we've got as well. Well, it's, it's, uh, yeah, understandable. it's understandable. Definitely understandable. I've, I think my friend's parents have a big Heimer motorhome and they bought it from Germany because they were cheaper over there so it's left-hand drive and it is huge it is really massive it's not really a problem though it's fine not a problem Absolutely. at all Some, with something that size you're always going to be far away from everything anyway so whether yeah. it's in the middle left or right it, it's not such a nice thing Heimer cool that's a that's a name I've heard of for a while oh Fantastic. I know I know absolute classic and also I used to live in France when I was a kid and we used to buy our cars from Britain because again they were you know, more of a bargain over here compared to France. So we drove for about five or six years, right-hand drive in a left-hand drive country. And that was fine as well. I mean, and that was just like a Renault Laguna-sized car or MX-5 at one point. So, you know, pretty compact cars in a way. So it, it, it was fine. Not a problem, really. And I do think people maybe would think it's probably a bit awkward and a bit of a pain every now and then, but not really. I can't imagine it is at you know all. I could not agree anymore. There's a bit of a in the um, in the Ford world, the classic Ford world, which is an entirely different environment, a one that I'm not used to. Yeah. There is a um, basically Granadas and Cortinas are getting very very expensive over here, but there were lots made and sold in Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, and they're still there in Europe. And you know, a, a nice kind of um, late 60s for Granada, great condition over here, right-hand drive, you're going to be talking easily 18, 19,000 pounds. You can yeah. buy the equivalent, you know, in Europe for six or 7,000 pounds. But over here, 
there seems to be a bit of a phobia of left-hand drive and those cars aren't wanted. So even though you can buy them for less, if you try and, you know, try, if you're a dealer, try and sell them to people over here, they're just not interested because the steering wheel is on the wrong side. And I think it's a no. bit of, I call it automotive racism, but I'm probably going to get shouted yeah. out for that. But that, that's sort of it what is. I think anyway. It's, yeah. uh, you know. it's a good way to put it, that. Really, really yeah. good way to put it. Let's talk a bit about importing cars because you must do an awful lot of that. And I do remember watching Johnny Smith's video, the legend Johnny Smith, um, from the television, shall I say. And he did a video about USA car imports. And I know you featured in that video talking about importing your cars and stuff. And I think that's when I came across you on social media and Arrow Vintage Cars. But how do you go on about importing a car? Is it as complicated as people may think? Uh, no, not in any way. It's all it is is paperwork. Um, if you've if you found a car you like and you like the seller, so the person you're buying from, which won't be a dealer, it will be a person. Um, if you like them and you've got good communication and be there via email or WhatsApp or or you know on even over the phone, um, it, it's very simple. There are shipping companies over here that basically do everything for you, and you only need as far as importing from. America and Canada and, and Alaska goes. It's even easier from Europe. Um, yeah. As long as you've got what well, basically the the registration paper, so effectively our version or their version of the V5, yeah, um, in America, Canada, or Alaska, um, and a receipt. So literally a receipt that they type out on an email that says, "Hello, I am John. I have sold my Camaro to Simon for a pound ten. Yeah. If you've got those two pieces of paper. Shipping companies these days deal with everything for you. And you can even nowadays get that, that car transported from the dock to your house as part of the package. Um, it's much, much easier. But it's all about communication. Always speak to your shipping company and have a good communication and rapport with the people you're buying the cars from. And it will be very straightforward and very quick. It's, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm in, the, you know, in the middle of, of doing something along that. I can't say too much, but something along those <laughs> ilks. And the, the whole deal has been done in, in less than 24 hours. And, and it's, and it's hopefully going to be you know floating towards us in a couple of days so it's it's not as long as it used to be europe much easier no worry all about shipping it's just a case of a trailer and less paperwork you say that i'm not to get i'm not i'm not going to get too political because it's probably quite controversial but with things like brexit how does that affect importing a car from mainland europe does is it a massive effect no, uh, only financially, and that that, that um, because we've still got let's call it argy bargy between politicians over here and politicians yeah. over there. It, all, all that's going to happen is there's going to be, if not already, is a slightly higher uh, levy. So like VAT, if you're importing a classic car, it's set at five uh, percent. Um, at the minute, it was free from Europe, so there was no VAT. So yeah. it was it was it was a bit cheaper to get cars in from Germany over to here. Um, it's just filling out paperwork, which is nothing. Um, but now I'm hearing words that there's going to be kind of sort of 15 percent VAT put on imports. So if you buy a car for a, a hundred pounds, you have to pay 50 pounds, you know, duty on that car or VAT yeah, as it comes yeah. in. So it'll just be just be money, uh, but no more paperwork. That, that, that won't be the case, thankfully. Oh, that's good. It's always good. So let's say, for example, importing a car from America. What are the average costs? Ooh, um, so, I mean, the, the cars are separate things. So, that, you know, they all cost all different sums of money. Yeah. But certainly um, you have to pay 5% VAT. So, again, if you buy a car for £10,000, it's £500 um, uh, VAT duty. The shipping is normally $500 to get the car as a rough figure to get the car to the nearest port in America. That's $500. Then it's around $1,000, again, dollars, to have the car go along the sea on the container ship. That's normally about 1,000, sometimes 100 more, sometimes 100 less. And then there's a UK handling fee, which is where they unload the car in its container over here, pop it on the dockside and wait for you to come collect it. And that's about 500 pounds. So basically, if you bought a car for $10,000 or less, you want to basically budget maximum 2,200 pounds, maybe 2,005, but it could be as less as 1,800. And that will get the car certainly to your door and with all of the fees paid, even the government. Mrs. Government is also paid as well through HM Revenue and Customs. Yeah. Hence the customs part of their title. Customs is the important export side. Yeah. So, yeah, so 2,500 gets you a car definitely, but more like 1,800 if you can find a car that's near the coast. That's not too bad, actually. If you think that the actual car could probably be cheaper over there because they're more common, that's not bad at all. 
That's not, not bad. at all. No, no. I mean, if you want to transport a car from Germany, you need to, you know, to, to send a, a, a transporter. And so many companies do this now. They'll just drive, you know, a trailer from here over to, to, to yeah. Germany to, to collect your car and drive it back. That's about two thousand pounds. So if you think you could get a car across some quite a lot of the, uh, the Atlantic yeah. for the same money, and it's definitely going to be costing you less uh, for the car to buy the car outright. It's not too bad at all. No, and I, I we, Johnny and I worked together for many years on trying to deplore people. Don't be afraid of importing something. There's yeah, some fantastic treasures. They really of are. Of course, yeah. And English. There's, there's, there's on the little website I was talking to, a friend of mine in, in um, Ohio has got three Morris Oxfords. Uh, and really? they're like, a, like so to be, yeah, yeah, Morris Oxford. Right-hand drive. So many of the, of the American guys are over here in the war that loved British cars, and they took them back yeah. with them for free. So there's there's a heck of a lot of right-hand drive stuff over there as well, not just the, well, you know, the American land as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really understandable. I mean, we we when we lived in France, we had an MX-5, as I said, and that was a that was a Japanese import, so that came from Japan to the UK, and then it lived its life in the UK for a few years, and then we bought it from the UK from France, if that makes sense, and we had a friend drive it down from wherever in England, down, 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 um, and then across the ferry to Calais where I think my mum went up to Calais and took the car down like that. So there's that way as well, which probably works out quite a lot cheaper. But obviously, you can't really do that from America. It's a bit, a bit far. Do you know what, though? If they built a bridge between here and New Jersey, or New York, rather, in America, I'd drive yeah. that. I'd happily drive one back. Quite a few thousand miles. I think my mass is rubbish, but I'm sure it's a couple of yeah, thousand miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a road trip. What a road trip. It would be amazing. Really amazing. Now, back to you and Johnny Smith. You both went halves didn't you bringing a volvo 262c batoni back from america didn't you we did yeah it was a, it was a bit of a whim if i'm honest and i was i was down in the southernmost part of england at the time seeing my brother-in-law so i was down at the i think it's lizard point in cornwall it's it's literally the very end point and i had no phone signal because there's just no body or anything around there yeah and yeah. i it was a, it was ranting johnny saying you'll never guess what i found you never guess what i found and <laughs> um yeah, when he told me the the kind of what he was what he was buying it for, I said, "Oh, okay, right. Just let's not tell our wives. Let's 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 just do it." And it, and it wasn't very much. And yeah, and so we, and we've actually had the car for a long time. We've we've been sort of the trouble is we both relatively busy. Him him in creating wonderful content, and me yeah, in yeah. helping him sometimes create wonderful content, and obviously running my business down here. So it, it's taken a while. It's it's it was spent a lot of time with Johnny up there, and he's been doing some stuff on it, and also making lots of some videos that will be coming out once the cars more finished than what it is now uh, and i've been doing kind of more of the labor intensive you know restoration for one of another time of the car down here but yeah. it's lovely yeah 262 batoni uh, uh, it was a car that 15 15 20 years ago people knew of um definitely because they were sold over here in small numbers yeah um but they weren't necessarily loved now what we found less people know they ever existed because 20 yeah. years is a long time ago but they're more passionate exactly well yeah. worded that's a great word but now they see them they love them and yeah, and, it, and it's 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 got its own kind of you know i mean it sort of looks a bit like uh you know like a 70s lincoln with an afro yeah, with it its does. you know with, it with its vinyl vinyl top um it was it's an interesting mix of um it, italian ingenuity in changing a quite a solid and established swedish thing um basically what they did was they chopped the roof off cut the windows down made a custom windscreen but they didn't change the seats so imagine a car that's built to have a certain amount of headroom yeah and then that red room is then removed and the italians <laughs> didn't bother doing anything else <laughs> so yeah so to give you an idea johnny probably won't be driving it no i can imagine front. not no because he's he's <laughs> uh, long he's very long uh and i'm not i'm long but i'm not as long uh and i just about fit but I'm definitely polishing the roof as I drive along. Do you know what I mean? I'm, it's, yeah. it's getting a, it's getting a shine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what a fantastic car! DeLorean engine as well. The the Renault. Um, yeah. It? So P, it's got a it's got a 2.7 um, PRV V6, and that it's Peugeot, Renault, Volvo, and it was a, a joint the joint effort to, to build this V6 reliable, yeah. um, a very low very low emissions uh, engine, and it was made for low cost and lots of manufacturers support it. Renault Alpines all have that in the back. DeLoreans, yeah. some Lotuses, I'm sure there's some other cars that I missed off, and obviously Volvo used it in many models. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So established, not quick but reliable. Good. Yeah, that's that's Volvo though, isn't it? It's not quick but reliable. 
They're really quite True. good cars. Really, really good cars. My mum can't stand them. She hates just anything with a Volvo badge. But I really like Volvos. There's something about them. It's the shape, everything. It's the following. It's all very, it's all very jolly, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I think that they were always different. It, you know, whenever you get cars that stand out, I mean, I guess Tesla have sort of got a similar thing now where some people love them, some people hate them. And, it, yeah. and it's that they went their own way. They said, well, that's convention. You're all going to go round. We're going to stay square because it's easier to wipe snow off. They're a Swedish company. They went for practicality straight away. Engines yeah. never overheated because they had all the cooling in the world. Space was maximized. You can get, you know, a, a full settee in the back of your 240 or 740 or 940 without any help at all um they were always built to practicality and they were built to survive which is why they have done so and again you had lots of other manufacturers doing so many different things and advancing technology and design and volvo said no we've got our customer base you keep buying these 240s these square boxes this is what we're going to make and that's why they're around today um well unfortunately not independent they're owned by by geely motors now but that's why so many other manufacturers were bought out in the 70s and the 80s because they couldn't survive but bother survived right until 2002 i think from memory yeah yeah yeah. and uh until then but yes i know they're they're, they're good they get a they get a um lots of people like them for banger racing unfortunately and that's a totally different (laughs) subject maybe you and i will speak about another day but uh (laughs) but yeah so i don't really want to see too many of them going around the old uh the old flat ovals um yeah so trying to save as many as i can <laughs> of course yeah they're lovely lovely cars right let's move away from volvos and car importing and let's just go back to arrow vintage cars if i was to ask you what you're most proud of from you know everything you've done for the business what, what would you say it was what are you most proud of wow god that's a good question a big one question. i wasn't prepared for it's a very <laughs> it's a very good question but i'll try and be i do i have a, a problem and uh, yeah i'm sure your listeners have really switched off but i i do natter i can't help it it's just one thing i've got <laughs> words fall out unfortunately it stops me from talking it's great it makes a change (laughs) (laughs) not at all um most proud well um i was proud to get the business part of a a disney film that's actually just been released well the release date has been released last night actually yeah which is uh cruella it's it's the the modern adaptation of i think it's a prequel actually pretty cool of 101 dimensions but in live action and uh, I and a very, very close uh, friend of mine who runs a uh, actually a, a 50s American car importing company down in Surrey, we do lots and lots of film and TV work together. We managed to kind of to get the contract together to to get lots of um, lots of cars organised. I think we ended up getting there was some from our fleet here, but we managed to collate around about 80 cars for the film, uh, yeah. both you know running, driving, and working as such. And that was a really, really big project of uh, 2019. That was throughout 2019. Yeah. So that was that was really good. Um, I'm pleased that the Arrow Vintage Cars, as a, as a wedding car company, has won uh, quite a few awards. I try and instill as much service as I, as I can. Yeah. That's very hard to do, to, to get awards in such a niche sector, you know, classic wedding cars and vintage wedding cars. That There's just not many of them left. They're nearly all 1990s kit cars and copies, which, I, again, I can't yeah. stand. And that's for another podcast we'll deal with. I that. know. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and I think recently the the... the one of the, the the restoration that basically nearly killed me was the, was the most recent one, which is the uh, 1956 Cadillac Eldorado Biarritz convertible. What yeah. a name, Eldorado Biarritz! Come on, I know that is no, cool. No, no numbers and letters there. <laughs> let's let's just whack out some Spanish towns. Fantastic. <laughs> um yeah that that that's um uh it was by far the most i've ever invested into a car and its restoration i say oh it's we it's a team it's my wife my you know father still around and with the company it's a team of people it's not just me yeah um and it's um yeah that that's a very very special thing one of hardly any left and very very few know the importance of it and how rare it is and how special it is and trying to find parts and and suppliers and help to do that car was yeah, it was a, yeah. a two years with a flat out stress, but it's yeah. finished and it's remarkable. So oh. that I'm very, very proud of. There must be a bucket load of satisfaction, you know, once the cars are all nice and restored and clean and you just look at them all together and it must be amazing, really amazing. It, it, it is. Do you know what the, the first, I mean, because I, because I, I restore... 
I have a small collection of cars that I like, but they nearly all have to pay for themselves. I'm not rich by any means. And lots of people get that misunderstanding. I and we are not rich by any means. And the cars have to earn a living if they want to stay. Yeah, yeah. Not all of them, but, you know, the, the, the really expensive ones, they do need to try and recoup some of their expenses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm I'm a bit of a, a bit of an ether in that, in that lots of people have car collections. And yeah, ours is definitely a collection and we don't really sell if ever. They normally kind of just come in, but yeah. we're only able to do that because they're hired out and they are used for purpose. And we, you know, we've got 1920s cars that are doing uh, three, four thousand miles a year in America. That's unheard of. They're in museums, yeah. but uh, you know, I build them because I like museums. I get it, but I think if they're built for purpose, they're built to drive. I need to yeah. work harder to make sure they can do that regularly. And for people's special days, that's you know, sort of you know, utmost in my drive is to make sure they do that and come back. <laughs> that, yeah, that's yeah. The, that that's the point. You, you mentioned about um, you know what you're most proud and pleased to see. It's not when they're finished, and it's not when you're looking at them in the you know in the in the garage when they're all done. Well, none of them are ever really done. Done. There's always something else you have to do or want to do. But it's when you do the first when you do the first hire. So when they're you know you're with them and they're on a film set, or you're with them and they're on a photo shoot. In fact, the Eldorado, the first job that did was for a a, a I think it's just women's, but I could be wrong. Um, just a women's fashion brand, a very big one. Yeah. And we were in North of Essex uh, doing this kind of countryside um, shoot. It was all day. It was sort of half eight in the morning till six o'clock in the afternoon, but it was bright summer. So it was daylight all the time. That's lovely, and they just it? had model, model, model wearing clothes. You know, they changed jackets and shoes and, and the car was all part of it. But the feedback from the models, the photographers and the, and the CEO of the company that was there I was a bit starstruck by, uh, said that's, <laughs> that is incredible. How the heck have you done that in just two years? That's yeah. the best looking car we ever had. And now it's on contract with them. So to hear, and, and that's, it's that sort of feedback. You look at the garage, you think, oh, that was lovely. Cool. Yeah. But I nearly broke my arm twice and I definitely gone bankrupt, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, but, but when you hear secondary feedback, so from, from other people that see it and they kind of get where you're coming from, that feels good. That's the win. It's that yeah, first hire course. when people say, no, you were right. And that, you know, you guys, you've done fantastic work. That's the, that's, that's the what gets you. Well, I completely agree with them. I, I'm, I'm amazed, absolutely amazed how, you know, how sparkly they all are. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely it, amazing. Wax. I have to have a contract with a Polish company, which I do. And it, <laughs> it, weirdly enough, it's an Essex-based one, funnily enough. But yeah, I yeah. have to have that because it's incredibly expensive just to keep them clean. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. So, in terms of future plans, do you have many? Any that you can share, or? Yeah, yeah. Um, what my so at the minute, one of the cars I'm working on is a 1960 American car again, 1964 Pontiac Grand Prix, which is basically a long and low muscle car, but it seats six people, three across the front bench seat, yeah, uh, three across the back, no problem at all, but long and loud. Um, and that's completely unrestored, and I think I think the wife and I got that in oh dear oh, it's probably probably about 2012 i think it's quite a long time ago now the, the years just run around and i've not other than sort of buying and collecting parts for it including an entire interior uh, i've not really touched it other than sort of getting it rolling and moving and, and, and drivable off-road um, i don't even think i've registered it over here I, yeah. I was thinking yesterday it definitely doesn't have a number plate so i don't think i've even told dvla it exists yet <laughs> but it's not been on the road so it doesn't, doesn't matter yeah, yeah yeah but uh yeah the taxes are paid on it that, that bit's done yeah. Um, so I want to I want to finish that. That's um, or I want I want to restore that. And that's going to be jet black with a white interior. Oh um, yeah. I, I just and a lots of people have said I, I was talking to. Uh, I've only sort of relatively new to Facebook and that sort of stuff as a as a personal account. I was talking to people on like a Pontiac group about the car and said, look, I've got this. Has anyone got any parts or advice or any any kind of connections? Yeah. And lots of people said, oh, but it's covered in surface rust. Don't restore it. Just 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 driving as it is it look it looks lovely you know it's got Patina. a little bit of rotten holes oh yeah that word and you're gonna say that yeah <laughs> yeah that that word i do you know what i get patina i'm gonna get absolutely roasted for this and a really close friend of mine tim glover who i'm actually wearing his t-shirt you can't see because it's not audio but i'm actually Roadhouse. wearing his t-shirt today roadhouse motor uh tim's a very very talented body guy yeah um his sponsor he's not interested in what he calls shiny cars that's what he calls them is shiny cars um he just uh he does look at lots and lots of mechanical work and gets cars driving phenomenally well on the road but he's not interested in body restoration at all he loves patina he loves the originality um I, i'm not a big fan because lots of those patina cars don't live long because yeah. you, you're leaving surface rust on the outside 
and normally yeah. the interiors that you know, they're not done they, they kind of they put, people put rugs on the seats and, and that's kind of done you're not actually restoring anything you've got it rolling and driving but the, the structure of the car that's still rotting is, thank you exactly is still rotting yeah so I, I, you know they they look good from a driver's point of view and i was talking to someone else in the pontiac group who said you know um oh i just drive it as a as it is and i said oh i'm not really a sort of patina person i kind of want it for longevity yeah i want to yeah. restore it for, 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 for futures to enjoy not you know it's going to outlive me definitely so i want it to the next person to enjoy it yeah and he said i don't keep cars long enough i'm not interested in where they're going to be years to go I just drive them to enjoy, and then I get rid. And doesn't he was very sense. proud. Of everything. That doesn't make no, sense. No, well, but, but there were things. I mean, I agree with you, Dan. I know you and I have got, we share lots and lots and lots of opinions, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a great guy. Um, but there are lots of us that will disagree with you and I. And there were lots of them who go, well, yeah, yeah. I'm, why should I spend work for other people? And I think that a, a, a byword that I've gone through and followed for a long time, we've all made mistakes, I've made mistakes, is that the best gift you can give anyone or anything is a second chance yeah the best gift you can give anyone or anything is a second chance and if i am in a position to do so i think that that car has done lots in its life or very little but it was still built for a reason people spent a lot of time and money and effort and loved it when it was brand new in the showroom in 1960s 1950s yeah. what if i own it now why should i be the one that kind of encourages its death if I'm in a position that I can help it. So I'll try and help it as best I can. So yeah. Yeah. it sounds really meaningful and really deep and stuff, but that's, that's what it does I make of, a lot of sense. Go by. And I'm glad you're one of them people. Just, it's nice to keep a car going, I think, rather than oh, making so it look wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it, but it doesn't, you know, rusty cars are not good for the environment. Let's have it as it is. They're not, if they sit in a farm, that's, that's causing pollution. That just yeah. is. If you're able to restore it, you know, much as the, as modern cars are now, once they've done their three years, put them in the bin and, and build another one, you know, and I, I am pro EV. Don't get me wrong. I am, I am pro yeah. EV very much. So my, you know, our, our kind of work car is a Kia Soul EV. That, yeah. That's what that is. Good car. Um, very good car. And, oh, it's excellent. And you actually saw the very car is on one of Johnny Smith's um, yeah, Kia Soul know, review videos. That, that gray one. That's, that's ours. Yeah. Um, but there, there are lots of people that think they're the be all and end all of, of, um, you know, of, of low emissions and survival. It's not true because lots of people class those as disposable items. And when you try and recycle any car, if you've got a car that's been born in the 80s and is still on the road now, its carbon deficit to the world is something around one two hundredth of a car that lives for three years and dies and only partially gets recycled and then is then used to build another one. Yeah. So that that model of throwaway vehicles that they're built to be thrown away doesn't work for the environment it never has but because that doesn't earn money for anyone you'll never hear that in the press yeah but it's true unfortunately so if i can make a car live longer that's far better for the environment than if it just goes into the ground and dies and someone else goes and buys another one yeah yeah well i do think pollution with cars is very very misunderstood because classic cars can be good for the environment they can Definitely. It's, abs it's absolutely true. Yeah. And I, and I know, I, I mean, you know, I could talk forever, but there, there is a, <laughs> a growing, uh, there is like a, a, a growing movement of classic car EV conversion. Uh, yeah. And I, I do certainly understand it. I, I don't know. I probably, I did think about doing it with the, with the Pontiac actually, and I, that may still happen. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I've got to see and explore, maybe even do one myself to kind of understand them a bit better because I don't think, they're going to be used in the way that people think they will. It's a big investment. You're talking seven to ten or more thousand pounds to convert an MG, whatever, 1960s, 1970s thing, you yeah. know, to an EV. That's a big chunk of its value. Um, it will be more reliable, but if it's every, if it's reliable, are you going to drive a car from the 1970s convertible, for example, every day? You're not. No, it's going no, to it's because... going to sit in the garage the same amount as it would have done if it had a petrol engine. That's yeah, what's going to happen. That's it's it's one of the reasons people do EV swap classic cars is so they can use it maybe every day. But doesn't that make it sort of lose its spark? You know, when you've got a classic car that you can only use, I don't know, a few weekends or something like that. It's nice. It's nice. But if you get a classic car that you're going every single day, it's not going to be as special. 
Do you know what? I, I, I genuinely, I had never thought of that. I was thinking from a perspective of every yeah. day: Are you going to want to get into something from the James May era of gold carriage clocks? Are maybe, you going to really want to, want to do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you going to want to do that every day, or you're going to want to get into a car and that connects to your Bluetooth, that demits a screen? Yeah. Kia Soul, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but but you know, any are you not going to want that immediate heat of a steering wheel heater and seats? You're going to want yeah. the comfort. You're not going to get into a drafty old thing with an electric motor. Those EV conversions, I think, are going to sit. Well, I know are going to sit in the garage just as long as they had a petrol engine. So I don't necessarily see myself the value just yet. That will change, but just yet yeah. in investing in EV conversions. And it's a great point you make. Are they a special anymore? Don't know. That's a really good question interesting yeah, I like that I i'm going to do some thinking and writing on that daniel thank you very <laughs> much that's that's great food for thought that one yeah it is good yeah definitely so maybe that's a, a good point for the future maybe you can have like an ev car that you can hire out because maybe there's some weddings or uh, film shoots or anything like that. maybe they want an electric car so maybe it's good to have one yeah uh, i'm well i can't say too much but ev vintage cars and i do mean vintage so vintage is pre-war yeah. If anyone knows the difference between classic and vintage, World War II, just to clarify that, because that's different as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then classic is anything over, I'm pretty sure as far as the insurance goes, is anything over 30 years old is a classic. Um, so EV, and I didn't know this until working on a certain shoot that you and I may have discussed earlier, um, EV vintage cars are already in use for film and TV. And I didn't know until when I got there, when I saw them. And again, mm. I can't say too much, but... Um, Maybe when some of these kind of get unused for films, they'll kind of come out into the public. But it's really interesting. Um, I, I, when I was, I try and be an advocate for vintage cars and classic cars. In that, you know, they're not an evil, burning, nasty things that are too slow and you can't no. drive them. They are, they are meant to be driven. But I, I get a lot of flack, and so I'm a bit of an ether in that. I have to kind of, do, if you look at any of my, you know, posts and stuff, that I try and bequeath the knowledge and and existence of vintage cars to people and try and teach people a little bit more about them, if possible. There are a large people that say, uh, dirty, smelly, rotten, definitely yeah. bad for the environment. They kill baby squirrels. Um, <laughs> and lots of people have said, oh, just EV convert your Pierce Arrow. Just EV convert them. Um, to think about that investment of, um, you know, I mean, for like a big Rolls Royce to EV convert that, which I know has been has been done. You're talking 10 to 20,000 pounds per car. And on cars that, you know, go out to weddings for 350, 400 pounds locally, that's a lot, a lot of work that car's got to do to try and earn that oh, yeah. back. I know. I know. It, and, and in that time, it's still going to be causing emissions, whether it goes through it or not. So for hire, that model doesn't work yet because it's simply too expensive and there are not enough EVs being rear-ended, you know, leaving their batteries and motors yeah. intact for use. They're just, they're just not. They're just not. Exactly. So, yeah, EV, EV conversion for wedding cars is, is not viable yet. But give it 20 years, and I do mean 20. I don't mean 10. I do mean 20. Yeah. Possibly. Very possibly. And then there's, it's not just the money side of things. There's digging the lithium out of the ground, which is still not good. And then eventually there's the recycling of the batteries, which is still not there. I think the future of electric cars maybe isn't lithium-ion, and it's something else. But again, it's something we've got to we've got to wait and see. It's difficult to predict. It really is. Yeah, I know Toyota are going pretty hard and heavy with with hydrogen, aren't they? And I yeah. I see that as slightly better, but it's still a battery. You, you still have to charge the battery with the hydrogen. That's what that does. It's still an EV. Yeah. Um, it's not driven propulsionally through that. But yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm not smart enough or knowledgeable to, to even contemplate what the future will be. But it's a really good point. Is it battery EV? I don't know. I think there's been a lot of investment already that that's probably where people want to go. Yeah. Um, really good point. Cobalt and the lithium. Really, really good point. There's, there's, there's people's lives being lost for that. And yeah. lots of people will say digging oil out of the ground is just as bad. There isn't, a, there isn't a bad. Unless someone can create free energy, which is an incredibly fantastic solar panel that works in, in clouds, and you can pop it on your roof and it will charge your car for 100 miles in half a minute. Yeah, That will work. But yeah, it's a very, very good point um, with classic EVs. I think, yeah, maybe not yet. Maybe not, not yet. yet. I, I, I just think... Um, I, 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 I think there needs to be a, a bigger interest in them. And I think at the minute people need to in invest the time and look at, is this really something I'm going to use more? Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got a, I mean, if anyone's going to start converting Mark II escorts, you know, the, the, the Holy Grail of escort, you know, a two door Mark yeah. II escort, 
that are already up in the 40, 50,000 pound regions now, are they really going to? And it's those sorts of cars, the cars that people look at, that if you don't know a car, you've, you've got no interest in them at all, and lots of people have brains and they're not interested in, in them at all. Yeah. Um, they'll look at a car and go immediately, oh, that's a classic car. There are lots of it, and it's those cars that you need to look at if they work for an EV conversion or not. You've got to look at the people that are not car people. They have no interest in them. They've got, you know, far other reaching, better things to do with their lives. But they look at a particular model or or a year of a car, a Mark II Escort, probably MG, probably Renault 5 for the, you know, for people in the 40s and 30s and stuff. Yeah. Those cars that they can go, that's a classic car. They are the models that you need to look at that if you EV converted them, would you use those cars every day? And I think if you've got a, a, a you know, late, late 1960s, early 1970s Escort that's an EV that had a fantastic thrumming four-cylinder in it before, or an MG that had a fantastic thrumming four-cylinder, or I think my example was a Renault 5, probably a bad example, actually. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, maybe even a slightly bigger Renault from, from the 80s. If yeah. you EV those, you're going to use them every day, but your new car is a BMW M3 sitting on the drive right next to it. If you've got to go out on a cold morning or even a bright morning, which one are you going to jump in first? I don't see it being an electric Mark II Escort with no heating, yeah. bit drafty and not very no, good. No. You're going to jump in the M3. So I don't think they're going to be used as much as people think they're going to be. No. Um, they're, they're, they're going to be sitting in the garage just as long as they would do if they still had the petrol engine in them. That's my belief anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's said a lot, but I do think the future of motoring will be, you know, going to work and back, going to the shops. It will be electric cars. And then for the weekend, say you're going... I don't know, out for a walk or you're going to the lake or something like that. You you would take your your classic engine powered car. I think it is going to be a bit like that in the future. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, the the benefit of classic cars and using them on such short, normally short journeys and normally not very often, is that because they're only doing most of them less than a thousand miles a year, yeah. yeah. Their, their their carbon output is absolutely minimal compared to uh, I mean, let's face it, even compared to an EV that's doing a thousand miles per year by the time you kept it charged, you know, they're, they're pretty much on par. And that's why I, I, you know, I mean, we were filming for said film in London. I I was in the Triumph, uh, the Triumph Herald. We've got a 1250 Triumph Herald. It's gorgeous. Um, lovely little car, two-tone blue. Fantastic. Yeah. Cornflower really, over, over really the cobble blue. Love a Herald. Yeah. Cool. Oh, they've, they've, do you know what? If If you've not had... There is an easy example of this, but if you've not had a classic car before and you want something to tinker with and learn with, yeah. that's also going to be really good to drive. A An absolutely dreadful condition, 800 pounds, Triumph Herald, that's not on the road, is the ideal car to learn on. They are literally Meccano. You can buy everything yeah. new. Yeah. And it's not expensive. The parts are very cheap, and you can buy a whole car effectively, other than the body from from a kit. So if you now a lot in back in the day, it used to be minis that would be the ones you go to. Yeah. But old minis now are they've absolute, gone through the roof, through the roof. They have, and unfortunately, the rust on the bad ones has gone through the floor. So <laughs> there is a there is such a big gap now between you know a, a great mini and a really bad one, and the, the if you're gonna if you're gonna start on something you know learning on on a classic car something. You, right i'm going to learn this you, yeah. you and i by the way have another connection we have a different connection you and i got really interested in how cars work and, and the feel of them through tamia so the rc cars of course and that's exactly yeah. in the in, in the in the mid 90s i'm a bit older than you but in the in the big <laughs> 90s that's that kind of where i started i thought oh that's how that's how a shock absorber works and that's yeah. how this works it and is then, fascinating you know, yeah it, it's it's incredible but it's the same with triumph heralds they are built the same way as tamiya tubs and i do yeah. mean that they real they are absolutely built exactly the same way if you give if you took ideas a, yeah that's no, true it's absolutely <laughs> true if you, you take the body off you know a and it was unbolted a body off a, a triumph herald and you take the body off of a tamiya tlo1 for example yeah. oh nerd chassis names um <laughs> You you see the same suspension setup at the front. You see that you know the motor in the same direction. They are very very similar. Yeah. And you know I can't deplore people enough to go and find a bad Triumph Herald and spend a couple of years tinkering. It would it's probably going to cost you less than certainly less than two thousand pounds to get one looking pretty okay but mechanically great. Yeah. Um. You will not find a better driving experience from something you've quote unquote restored and then driven yourself much better than a mini much better yeah, than a mini definitely. i agree i agree and they look gorgeous and i've said that but they look really really nice they really do nice they cars. Have little fins little fins fantastic i know i know it's the lights as well they've got little eyelids as well some of them 
That's right. It's exactly it. The chrome eyelids. Yeah, good word. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really yeah. good word. And you can t- and they've got seat belts and you can fit four people plus dog. No yeah. problem at all. And a really yeah. big boot. Fantastic. Yeah, they're really, really perfect. Now, I think we should um, slowly bring this podcast to an end. But before we do, I think we should talk a bit about the Zoom Zoomer podcast, which I know you appear on. Absolutely, yeah. That's a, that's a wonderful movement started by uh, Damien Cross. is a is a, a good friend of mine. Yeah. And basically, it was it was something that I joined a bit late, though. I I was a, a couple of months down the road from when it when it started. The 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 original members mostly still there, and yeah, it was it was basically just a, a collective hive mind of different um, kind of motoring areas you've got you've got fantastic people from media fantastic lots of fantastic people from motorsport yeah um and uh, obviously you know muggins here from the from the, the sort of classic car world uh, and wonderful personalities and it's a it's a fantastic podcast to kind of and it was it was obviously it was due it was started during lockdown of, of last year as a way for people to kind of still share ideas and opinions and invite people in and you know to to to, to have discussions and 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 that sort of thing and there's lots of special guests we yeah. recently had uh dave vitti last week from yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. last recording yeah from from those that remember him from radio one with chris miles back in the day yeah um I've got to say, I refer to him as Comedy Day, which was his old name. And I don't think he liked that very much. I haven't. I did email him afterwards and said, "Was that all right, by the way, Dave?" And he did reply and said, "Oh, it's fine." Just well, I was sort of looking at it. And everyone and there's a couple of people who dried, you know, dried their teeth. I thought, "Oh, maybe I should have. Maybe that was a bad time in his life and <laughs> should have said that." But it's great because you get to see you get to see morons like me make cock ups yeah. like that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, it's, it's great. great. Absolutely it, great. It, yeah, it, it's it's a good collective of 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 people. If you like to listen to people you know rant and rave with opinions some you know some good some bad and there's also little competitions and little, little kind of activities so it's, it's yeah. really good yeah um but yeah and, I, and i'm glad that during this sort of period of our very strange lives there's plenty <laughs> of space for uh especially this podcast that you, you know i you finally yeah. gladly started which is just fantastic Thank and others you. that, that yeah with it would have no not at all and, and others with a you know with a, with a group of people and i think the two are very different and they they listen and hear very different um and I'm glad that there's such a good space for for yeah. talents like yours and, and and like theirs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I believe that's on the first Monday of every month, isn't it? And they stream on YouTube. That's right, exactly. They stream on YouTube. Yeah, we we are looking to get them to put up as as podcasts, but some of it is a bit visual, so I think it may yeah, have to stay yeah. as a as a as a as a YouTube type thing. And you'll have uh, to Christmas is... time. <clears throat> yes, that has a Christmas time. <laughs> that has a Christmas time. Definitely check out the December episode for that one because that was uh... <laughs> an interesting episode. Definitely, definitely. It, it it was. Yeah, I have the brother-in-law to thank for that. The one actually, the one that I was visiting in Cornwall when Johnny phoned me about the the Volvo two six two Patoni. It was that afternoon I was given the hat by him because he said it, it it reminded him of me so much he wanted to give it to me. Um, we'll leave it there. <laughs> We'll leave it there. Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> right. Well, I think we're coming up to about fifty-five minutes or something of this podcast, which oh, is just blimey. Bonkers. I'm sorry. Absolutely I'm sorry. bonkers. No, Simon. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I have been looking forward to it, and you've got a lot of interesting things to talk about, which is great. So, in future, it'd be a pleasure to have you on the podcast again, and we can talk about I don't know what's happened since today with Arrow Vintage Cars or whatever. It would be fantastic to come back. Yeah, I do have opinions, unfortunately, and one of them, many of them take lots of time to talk about. But yeah, but no, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will come back anytime you'd like me. Thank you so much, thank Daniel. Thank you. That's not a problem at all. And how can people find you and your business on social media? Brilliant. Yep. So me personally is at Cy Browse, imaginatively, um, everywhere. <laughs> and the, the business is at Arrow Vintage Cars on Facebook and Instagram or www.arrowvintagecars.co.uk is our website. But feel free to get in touch. Any questions you've got, happy to answer anyone out there. No problem. Yeah, definitely do get in touch. And listeners, you can follow me on social media as well at Daniel Carzo 5 And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Piston Podcast. And remember to subscribe like follow the podcast whatever platform you're on and yeah thank you simon ever so much for coming on again it's it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for having me doing absolute pleasure thank you so much no problem and thank you for listening see you next week thank you for listening to this episode of the piston podcast i hope you enjoyed it just before you go remember you can follow me on social media at daniel carzo 5 and you can follow the podcast on twitter at piston podcast See you next time for more interesting car chats.